You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 48. Episode 48. So, we left it off on me having a really damn good session. One of the better sessions I've had in a while over at 101. Uh, from that, from at that point after that, I went to Prime. And, you know, I've gotten to where I really like Prime. It's a, The time fee is a little bit more. But it's, you know... The, the Daniel Negreanu thing always says, you know, like, he gets shit on to no end for, like, you know, more rake is better. And probably justifiably so. Say, are you going to say that's your new logo, your your new motto? <laughs> so I'm like, put it on a shirt, put my face under it, that's me. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> but I will say, like, they're, the time fee's a little bit more, but the games are so splashy. And I've been at such great tables that it justifies going over there sometimes. On that, though, so I've noticed in these card rooms, right, um, it's not necessarily that more rake is better per se. I think that the lower rakes at some of the rooms drive a lot of the really good players to the lower rake, uh, the lower time fee games, which then, if you don't care and you just want to go play, and you don't care if you're going to pay a dollar more an hour or $2 more an hour, that would just lend itself to a better game because people who are, you know, I mean, you've seen the people who don't want to play six-handed. They want to wait for a full table, and they don't want to pay, you know, all that stuff. If you're playing against someone who's grinding like that, that's not very good for the game or someone who wants to just show up, drink, and they don't care if they're paying an extra dollar. I think it just lends itself to a better game a lot of the time. It doesn't seem like it's more rake is better. It's just the players that don't care and the players who are so con- so conscious of it that they're not really the action players you want in your game. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's, I'm glad you clarified that. Because, I mean, that is actually what Daniel Negreanu meant and kind of what I was going with, too. Whereas I just said it and yeah. I, I left it up to the listener to decipher that yeah. off of a, uh, yeah. It just sounded like you like more rake. Yeah, no, it was, uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. Like, the lower it is, yeah, it attracts better players who are more detail oriented who are going to look at that and other, and, the ones who don't care and just there for a good time sometimes gravitate to other places. Uh, I think I like to mix it up. So I mean, I, I'm trying to get. I always try to get the best of both worlds. Uh, so I go into prime, all hyped to go and everything, and sit at a table. And this table is really, really good. There are a lot. I mean, I, again, I keep getting lucky getting tables that are. I mean, the none of the bets are making sense. The V pips are through the roof. Uh, so it's a, uh, I'm like, okay, this is great. And then I continue to be card dead for just ever. Uh, I had one interesting hand where I have, let me see, it was four or five, four or five of diamonds. I raise, uh, two collars. The flop comes two, three, ten with two diamonds. So I have now flopped a flush draw with an open-ended straight draw. I mean, just basically the nuts for this hand. Uh, it gets better. 
since nobody plays in flow at this table either, they now lead out for $60 into this pot. Then the other, and then there's not much out there, so I'm like, okay, then it's going to fold to me, and I'm going to put pressure on. Then the other player proceeds to call. Uh, I think about it for a minute, and then I'm like, well, with this, like, I've kind of slowed down on some of these draws, just raising all of them, but this is such a strong draw. I've got open-knitted, I've got the flush draw, and then I've also got some money in there that, I mean, not both of these players can be super strong. So I just go over the top and go all in for like 300 something dollars. The the woman who was a first raise calls. The other guy tanks forever in a day and ends up making the fold. Uh, flip over her, our hands. She has 810 off and has top pair and was just going with it. And then I flip over mine. We run it twice, chop it. So it was, there was, you know, not the, not the best of scenarios for this, but it was, uh, got it in there and then play about two more hours, get it in with another flush draw and gutter against a very heavy wreck player. He calls and same thing. Uh, and then I just go on a, not really tilt, but sometimes you're just at this point great table like splashing around and you're just card dead to the point where there's nothing you can do so i wasn't really tilt as much as it was frustration uh and then eventually you know kind of get some top some oh, good cards and just miss ended up down like 300 dollars. so it was kind of a cool kind of a it was just a crappy session. Some sessions are just, you know, if you lose, you're like, well, at least this interesting hand, I had a good time. This is just a really, really god-awful. Just, And when I've had having these massive, really good sessions, just kind of a little, kind of come back to, come back to earth moment. Yeah, and especially in a game like that where people are playing all sorts of cards and, and that type of game, you really can't splash around with... Um, with like not like non-premium, but like kind of stray away from your pre-flop ranges, right? Because if if you're playing against players who are, there's different types of players, but versus those players, like we always say, especially those guys, your biggest edge is going to be your pre-flop um, card selection. Yeah, and the minute you kind of like try to force it, I mean, you're really on the risk of becoming kind of a negative EV, just getting negative EV situations. In a pot in a really good spot, so it's yeah. I mean, we've all been there where it's just been you know you're at the table that you really really want to be at, but just you can't get anything going. Yeah, I mean, and that's to be said versus playing against heavy wreck players who are playing all sorts of cards. I've noticed that you just have to be so in line, and I notice whenever you're playing against players who are their ranges are a little bit tighter and stuff, it's a little bit easier to widen your range a little bit. I've had more success with that, but... Yeah, because, I mean, you kind of go... I mean, you're trying to kind of go opposite. I mean, if they're tighter, I mean, you're trying to go loose-aggressive and just try to take the pots away a little bit more. Right, exactly. So, it was a... Uh, but, yeah, it was kind of a little come-back-to-earth moment because it has been a really good run lately. Uh, So, that kind of did it for that session. Or I think our next session is one we ended up going and playing on the same day, but two different places. Yeah, do you want me, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, go ahead and take it, and I'll tell you. I mean, my session wasn't 
uh, is, I say splashy is yours. So we'll uh, go with yours first. Okay. Um, I guess here was kind of a, the first interesting spot. Um, I had Jack 10 of diamonds. I made it 30 preflop. And one guy had $20 in his stack, so he called for $20. And I got one other caller. The flop comes ace of diamonds, deuce of diamonds, nine of clubs. I bet 30. He raised to 70. And you flopped a flush draw with a backdoor straight draw. Yes. Okay. I mean... I know we always say about calling raises on the flop, but I mean, for 40 more, I was like, well, I mean, I've already bet 30. It wasn't really much of a re-raise, so I called. Well, I like this call. I mean, when we when we say this, I think we're usually talking about like top pair where it's a fairly strong, it was kind of a medium strength hand with not much chance to improve. Like this is, I think, is a very different situation than what we usually, we're usually uh, talking about. Well, I do call. I turned the jack of hearts. So now I have a pair, a flush draw. Um, that's about it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I check. He jams for 260. Okay, well, he's just not going to give you odds to call here. Uh, yeah, so I tank for a little bit. I actually kind of debate it. And I end up folding. And uh, the river's a 10. He had a set of deuces. Yeah, this is this is a good fold. I mean, you're hoping to either get there for a cheaper river. I mean, well, one is it's not giving you the pot odds to call, but also, but he's all with him being all in. Even if you hit, there's no money to more money to be made too. Right. So I have no implied odds. Yeah. Um. Here is one that I think I told you about. But I don't know if you actually read the hand itself. So I'm in the big blind. I have king deuce of diamonds. Someone opens to 15. It goes call, call. And then it's back on me. Small blind folds. And I'm just thinking, well, I'm going to make a loose call here out of the big blind. We can go ahead and say that. It's a, it's a loose call, but okay. Yeah. But I I don't know. So, yeah. So, I, I call. The flop comes king, king, eight, two spades and a heart. Okay. This is... And I, this is this is a problem with King Deuce here is I mean you're kind of going with it if it's if you get trip kings you're not okay you, tell me what the action is so I'm in the big blind and I'm I already know on this flop this is going to be very hard to play I check one of the guys bets forty one other guy calls I call the turn is the jack of diamonds. Wait, were there two diamonds on the flop? Okay. It was okay. spade, spade, heart, diamond. Okay, I gotcha. So I'm like, well, I mean, that's not great. I check, it checks around. That is looking very good. The river is an ace. I mean, really changes nothing, really. Well, my thought is any king would have bet that turn with the uh, flush draw out there as well. Right. And I was kind of, and with my no kicker, I'm, I have to kind of play it passively. But then I think, well, okay, I can go for value here now. Yeah, uh, 100%. I'm definitely going for value here. Uh, what side are you going with? 
what? Okay, it was 15. It was, how many ways to the flop? Four. So 60, and it was 40, 40. 80, 120, 180. This should be 180 in the pot is what I'm getting. I believe so. Okay. Uh, this is kind of a weird spot because, I mean, it, it looks a lot like a king here because you would check and flow on the flop and the turn. Uh, this could be someone who randomly hits an ace. I'm not taking a huge sizing here. I'm looking to get something kind of a light call here. Maybe maybe 100? Uh, oh, 80 to 100. That's good. I bet 100. Okay. Um, I get called the guy queen 10 offsuit for runner, runner straight. Oh, God. I don't. Could, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that is. Was it the preflop razor? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, then he bets, like C bet, calls, and then, you know, checks through the turn. I guess that's it, a weird hand to get there. I mean, it kind of is what it is there. Yeah, that, that was uh, shocking to say the least, but. I mean, at least he didn't raise. I mean, I bet that amount to fold, obviously. Um, obviously, yeah. I'd have to fold if I got raised on anything. Yeah, if you get re-raised, you're just really out of luck here, and you just have to let it go. But, yeah, once once he just calls, you you feel like you're good most of the time, though. Man, you want to talk about something that's been just... I mean, granted, it's only been like one or two sessions, but has really seemed to be paying off big for me. Is folding when people are representing better. Oh, I mean, it is literally the I think the number one thing you do at low stakes to make money. <laughs> because like you and I said, I would make or we would both start making these calls that it makes no sense for them to have the cards that they're representing. Mm -hmm. But then they just have them anyway. Yeah. It well yeah, that's the thing, is like I mean you watch these poker shows and you're like, Well, you can net you like what's he representing, what does he have here? And don't get me wrong, there are times where you're gonna fold the best hand or whatever. But I tell you what, if you just give people credit at low limits for what they have, God, I mean, every time I'm like, well, I try to make like a hero call. I mean, probably, I'm probably right like one out of four or five times. But I tell you what, if I just fold every time, those other four times I don't pay off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So here's where things start to get a little dicey as far as quote unquote GTO. Things go off the rails. Oh, God. <laughs> So, like I said, this is not how you should play. This is what happened. Okay. <laughs> so, a tight player who I played with before. I know he plays very tight. Oh, uh, so where am I? Let me just double check. Uh, I'm in the straddle, I believe. He makes it 30. Oh, 25. 25. The guy to my right calls. I call. I have... Queen seven of hearts. Okay. Um, the flop comes ten ten three rainbow. Uh, yeah, rainbow. This guy down bets to eighteen. The, Weird bet. The okay. other guy calls. And I know I've seen. Well, I guess we'll talk. I'll tell you what I did. So that I think. Well, I know this guy is playing very tight. His VPIP is very low. I don't think he has a 10 here a lot of the time. Okay. I repop it to 70. I kind of like this. It's a, I mean, 
Well, one is you're not risking that much because, I mean, you're going to take down – if you take it down, you're you're putting 70 to risk about 36. And I think you take it down more often than not. I mean, if you get called 70, you're done. Well, more more than that, right, because it was 25 pre-flop and we, all three of us called. Oh, shit, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I actually – yeah, I really like this now that you really got got the math. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think this is a pretty good move. Um, he folds. The guy behind me folds. And then I show him the queen seven of hearts. And he doesn't say anything, but, man, he basically loses his mind after that. God, that's... That's really good. And putting a great player on tilt, that's added bonus. I mean, you just, yeah, this is such a, because, I mean, think of all the hands you're putting in a horrible spot. Jacks, queens, kings. I mean, once you re-raise this flop, I mean, they're really having, I mean, they're only beating a random bluff here. And are they going to hold on for three, because, I mean, granted, you're probably not going to fire three streets here. Uh, But that being said, they don't know it at that time. Right, and also... I was like, neither do I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that was a pretty interesting one. And then, um, here's actually a hand that I thought you would like. Um, talking about getting thin value. Okay. Um, so I have pocket jacks. I made it 15. I get one caller on the button. Everyone else folds. So it's heads up. The flop comes deuce four five rainbow, and then he donks out twenty five. Okay, I think this is just standard call. I do call. The turn. Uh, turn is a ten. He checks. He checks. I bet seventy five. He calls. Okay. The river is a five. So now the board is deuce four five five ten. I don't love this river. He checks it over to me. I guess I said he was the button. He was not the button. I was on the button. That's the he was out of the blinds. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so it makes no sense. The actual yeah. So I was on the button. He checks it to me. What are you doing here? I think my immediate thing is to check here. So he bets 25, you call on the flop. I think that ta- that puts a lot of things out there. This is either usually like a small pocket pair that wants to protect against overcards. Like, a top pair of five would do that a lot of times, too. Uh, I don't think most draws would do that. I think they would probably tend to check race. So, with this exact card, I think I might check this back. That's what I was thinking. But then I decided I should go for some thin value. And I bet 50. Okay. And he called, and it was good. I mean, it's... I think that's a, a, sta- a pretty good standard play, too. I mean, I think that's... I think that's a really good. Yeah, I, I like the thin value there. I think I probably actually just you know help play it a little bit more conservative there with that exact card. I think it's just kind of a kind of a dangerous card, but I like the thin value you got. Yeah, I thought that one was interesting. And then this one I didn't take the best of notes on. Basically, what happened was remember that guy bluffed with Queen Seven, right? 
I had bottom two pair. I flopped bottom two pair versus him. Okay. And on the river, I got counterfeited. So I ended up with just basically a horrible hand, like eights, something like that. Like two pair with the top pair being like a queen. So it's like queen, queen. So I had queens and eights. So you had bottom pair and the top bottom two pair. I bottom bottom two two pair pair. and then top pair uh, paired on the river. Yes. So now you have just, now you have three pair basically. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. But you know, uh, Hmm. Okay. And it was I like mean, queen I... 10, 8, 5 or something like that. So I had like literally bottom two pair. The turn was over my two pair and then the board paired on the river. I mean, how did the betting go? That means so much in this hand. Um, I'm sure he bet I raised, he called. Uh, and then on the, I think it went check, check on the turn. And then here's where it got interesting was, so then on the river, I figured I had to turn my hand into a bluff here because now I end up, I mean, I have kind of as worse hand I'm ever going to have here. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, because it's like, you basically just have third third pair. So I, uh, I turn my hand into a bluff. I blast for like 200 or something. And he calls. I turn my hand up. I told him, oh, you're probably good. I got counterfeited, man. He called with ace high after I bluffed him with queen high. I mean, when you bluffed him with queen high, he must have just lost his mind with you. Because, I mean, I don't under. Because, I mean, like this river one, this is a pretty big bet by you on the river. It was. Which, I mean, I mean, considering this was a raise and a call on the flop. A nine is very much in your range here. I mean, granted, you didn't have it, but that being said, it's still right there. I don't know how he's calling ace high here. This is just such a weird, a weird spot here. Because I mean, this is literally a this is a very much a hand you could have this nine here. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, though. I mean, and I'm wondering what he called how like. As interesting as his river call is, like how is you said you bet he raised? No, no, I raised. Oh, he so bet. he was down betting just all the time. Mm-hmm. And this is what I was going to tell you uh, about last time whenever I raised on that paired board. Uh, what Bert was saying from or Bart from Crush Live Poker was saying, the counter to someone constantly down betting mm-hmm. is you need to be raising them on the flop. But, uh, yeah, I can see that. Uh, so he. But, I mean, here's the thing. As you raise his flop bet, that means he's, like, literally lading out with a C bet, getting raised, and calling with nothing. Yes. That's the nature of tilt. (laughs) 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 Yeah, this really, like I say, it seems like that that, that, uh, queen hand really, really got to him. Because it just seems such a weird spot for him to be calling off here. I mean, I guess if I had... Five or eight. He could have had like sixes, sevens, deuces. I guess. I mean, that's, I guess. Uh, that's the I mean, only thing else I beat is a pair under an eight that wasn't a five that paired or yeah, that was it or so. Because you said he had ace high, but you he actually didn't show if I remember right. You just assumed ace high was the only thing that made sense to me. But I guess a pocket pair under as things that I beat at showdown. I was thinking it was only ace high, but it just kind of dawned on me right now that it could have been 
seven sixes, deuces. I have two more interesting hands of this session. Okay. And this is the one that, uh, the one with aces that you you and I talked about. With aces. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I'm. I'm in the under the gun straddle. I call blind because I was doing something. Okay. So I put the six in. The guy had bluffed earlier raises to 30. The button calls. Does he know you called blind? Uh, yeah, I'm sure he does. Wait, you're the one who, you have, you're under the gun straddle? No, no, the, uh, yeah, I sure did say that. <laughs> I'm in the small blind with the button straddle. You're on the small blind with a button straddle. Okay. So I just throw the five out there. Oh, uh, okay. That makes way more sense. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. I sure did say under the gun. Um, so I'm in the small blind this hand. And then the guy who I bluffed raises. The next, everyone else folds. It's back to me. And I look down and have aces. I only call here. Because I'm thinking. He's raising me with a lot of stuff here as he's targeting me as someone who didn't look at my cards. But there's two people. There's two people who he's raised and there's been another call, right? No, no, no. Heads up. Heads up. Oh, it okay. folded. Yeah. Yeah. So it folds. I call it. Heads up. The flop comes king of spades, five of spades, six of hearts. I check. He bets 13. He's loving that down bet. Yeah. I'm loving the raise. I raise him to 50. I like this, yeah. He calls. The turn is the queen of hearts. I bet 175. He calls. So now it's king of spades, five of spades, six of hearts, queen of hearts. And then on the river is the jack of clubs. And something I like to do, you're gonna say, I don't think you're going to like this, but something I like to do whenever I have a hand like this is represent like missed flush draws mm-hmm. and overbet the pot. And I really overbet it. I shipped it on him for how much? Like 900. Oh God, you're right. I hate this. <laughs> I, I, I mean, knew you would. I mean, I, I hate this so much. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. King, oh, Kings yeah. have you beat here. Queens have you beat here. Jacks have you beat here. Nine ten has you beat here. Jack Queen has you beat here. King Jack no, no, okay. has you beat. I got it. Oh. Yeah, I, well, not done. <laughs> no, but <laughs> the thought is that since he raised preflop, he could have all, and he could have like a junkie king here. He could have a lower pocket pair, and I think after calling that gigantic bet earlier, he could find a tilted call here. Oh God, man! I I just. Uh, yeah, I am. I don't know. I getting this much in with this sweat of a board. Oh God. Okay. So what happens? He folds. Yeah. I guess he was probably on the flush draw. I was thinking he was probably going to try to ship it on me based on whenever I shipped it, how disgruntled he looked. Right. I think he was the one on the draw. But yeah. I mean, I just no. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, me and you, we could not be more worlds apart on this one. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, and then here is basically the hand of the night was, um, let's see. 
I'm about, I had lost a hand whenever I had King, Queen versus Ace, King. King, Queen versus Ace, King. Okay. That was kind of annoying. And then some guy who just kept going all in over and over again. I had Ace, 10 suited. He'd gone all in maybe five to eight times in like two orbits. Mm-hmm. For, you know, first it was for 50 bucks. I lost that with like. I think I had King Queen. Oh, that was it. King Queen versus Ace King. Lost that one. Then he goes all in again. Everyone folds all in again. He has pocket fours for someone's overcards and wins again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get Ace Ten versus Ace Queen all in and lose. So I was kind of annoyed. Um, that I don't know. I don't know if that's a good call. Or, I mean, obviously it's not a good call knowing the cards. But when there's a player who's uh, – shipping it over and over again trying to go home i mean it's late it's like four in the morning stuff like that he has 150 185 dollars he's gone in all in over and over again went all in blind a few times i mean all in blind i'm definitely calling well i mean i'm calling if i'm like one of the last to act i will say that i mean i'm definitely not calling if i'm got eight players behind yeah uh, uh luckily i was the last act but i did call and uh he had ace queen i lost that I mean, it's like I've done similar things. I have done similar things and been very far ahead with when people were doing kind of stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I think it's, I mean, people are like, you know, or a lot of people are going to be like, well, you can't ace 10. That was way too much for that much money. But uh, like it's, there's a lot of table dynamics that play on hands like that. It's almost hard to say. So that that hand leads to this hand. Okay. So the tilt of being like, man, I don't know if I should have made that call. Like, is that just burning, you know, whatever money? So I get deuce four offsuit. Oh, a monster. And I'm unfoldable, really. <laughs> um, luckily, I'm out of position, so I get to set the tone of the hand. Um, <laughs> Nothing more I like than premium deuce four offsuit played out of position. <laughs> um Wait, no. So if he... No, no, no. I was on the button. I was on the button. That is important here. I was on the button. <laughs> I was like, Sorry. I, I was very confused. I was like, if you're telling me you're opening two <laughs> no. four off from under the gun, this podcast might end with me just walking out the door right now. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Um, so, basically, that guy ends up... The guy I had bluffed way earlier and the guy who had folded when I had aces, he made it... I think 15 or 20 preflop. And I had one other caller who was also very deep stacked and I was just annoyed. And I just threw the money in So whatever. Okay. I mean, we've all done something similar to in our time. I so, mean, okay. by all means, I, I literally threw the money in and in my head, I said, this is a losing call. This is horrible. I right. Mean, you know, you're gonna look back at this and be like, well, you lost $15 here. That was a horrible play. What I was thinking in my head. So we see the flop three ways. The flop comes. Let's, let me find it real quick. Sorry. <laughs> um, deuce, deuce, jack. So now I'm thinking I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing more I like seeing people play shitty and get rewarded for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, this is, if you play this one, if you play this, this is your dream spot. Um, He bets 18. The other guy calls. Um, I repop it to 75. Here's a question. Like, so this is the guy that you've just been battling. You've been battling on it every night. 
you raise are you do you ever call if it's not that dynamics going on um and slow play this or because like you don't have to slow play this in this situation because this guy just feels like you're gunning for him regardless oh 100 percent. and he's already seen me show the bluff and after that ace's hand when he folded I mean, I'm sure he's texting his friends and every. A lot of players who play with a lot of rec players will call off on that when the front door flush bricks like that on a giant overbet pot. Right. Because I've heard a lot of them say that you know players are trying to give their money away on a bluff. You know, mm-hmm. so that's why that's what leads to that oversized bet, and it's worked great for me on many occasions. Right. So I'm not just doing it randomly, but um. I could see he looked super tilted, which led me to raising to 75. Okay, I can see that, because I just thought that was very situational on that raise. Um, the other guy folds. So he calls the other guy um, folds. The turn um, is a king. He donks for 75. I raise him again to 225. He calls. Um... The river is a complete brick. I think it's like um, maybe five or an eight. Okay. He donks again for one fifteen. Hmm. This is a. I mean, like I say, with deuce deuce here. I mean, you are just. I mean, how much? I mean, obviously you're raising here. Yep. So I do another raise, <laughs> all three streets. <laughs> Donk raise, donk raise, donk raise. I re-raise to 300. He tanks forever and calls. And I'm good. I bet you were loving, like, when he just started to tank. Because after he starts to tank, you know, I mean, he's never got jacks or kings here. Right, exactly. Um, And that was basically the whole session for me. Ended up being up um, almost a buy-in and a half. So that was nice. That's really nice. That's a that was a really great session. I originally went over there with you, but ended up somehow, some way, over at Legends playing across the street, and my session was nowhere near as enjoyable as yours. I did, I did end up at a pretty decent table. It was wasn't the prime table, but it was like you know, there's two or three t- players kind of just making the chips go round. And <laughs> <That's> a... <laughs> maybe that was pretty much it. There were like there's probably like four or five players that really knew what was going on and there's like two or three that are just splashing around. Uh made top pair, bet top pair, and I mean that's to me the how you went at low stakes for, for a good portion of it. Uh eventually those players left and man, the players that just got there were just annoying as shit. It was one of those, like, it was one of those, they didn't play v- that many hands. They weren't that good. Uh, very much complained about everything. If anybody took any length of time, they, uh, one guy was, I was trying to talk to him, and it was like, maybe this guy could be kind of cool, just like, just relax. And then he's like, I had King Jack suited, I raise. He calls, and then a guy three bets, a guy shoves, and I fold, and he shows me King Jack and folds. I'm like, well, he's like, uh, and I was like, well, good fold, because I had that. He's like, well, he's like, you should be limping with that hand. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm like, you can't come to, I mean, you can't come to the table. I like you know poker better than everybody else, and be like, you need to be limping with King Jack suited. I'm like, 
But, I mean, they were just... It was one of those, like, this will put me on tilt more than losing, is being around just people who grind, grind, just grind my nerves down. So before I could just do something stupid, I was like, well, it's earlier than I thought it would be. I was up like, you know, uh, just barely over a buy-in. And I was like, well, okay, it's time to go, which I was pretty proud of and not letting myself just sit there and get, you know, tilted over stupid stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. You should be limping that hand. It's like, let me write this down. This guy's got some great points. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, if you're gonna come and just be like, you know, act like you know everything about poker, you can't be going that dumb with the advice. I mean, there has to be a limit of of the dumb. Because I mean, he was preaching to everybody how how they should play. And all of that, and I'm like, I'm just like, I was like, oh, god damn, this is, please get me out of here, somebody save me. <laughs> yeah, man, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, at least it's pretty good, was that your last session of the week? No, I played at Paramount, uh, went over there uh, to top it off, and, you know, I would have to definitely say, again, I've, I think I've reiterated many times that Paramount's probably my favorite room. Uh, again, had a great experience, so we're really good action-oriented players. Everybody was pretty cool there. Uh, there was this one guy who came from, like, Pennsylvania and had, like... God, do you remember uh, Tombstone with, like, the curly bill and had the mustache that, like, wraps around the end like he's, like, the, the classic bad guy? He had one of those. And he kept buying in for, like, 30 or 40 bucks and you could tell had no idea what was going on. So And, you know, like... The Paramount's like the place where everybody's actually trying to help them a little bit. Uh, great tables and hit. There was one guy who was just super splashy. He had a lot of chips in front of him. He's younger and ultra aggressive. And ended up making a pretty good call when I flopped top pair with Queen 7. Hey, we're both playing Queen 7 nowadays. Yeah, I, I don't remember how I was in there with Queen 7. Maybe big blind? I don't know. But it was somehow I was in there with there. And he bets I call. And then, like, it's a top pair. with like It's like Queen Jack, like, seven or Queen. No, not Queen Jack, seven. It's like Queen Jack, eight or something like that. And then on the turn, he checks, I bet, and he re raises all in. And I've got top pair, shitty kicker. But I'm like, this guy's been. Very aggressive all night. So I ended up just making the call for my stack. Maybe 150, 200 more. Oh. And ends up being ends up being good. So Oh, you had a nice call versus him. Yeah. Oh, you said he had a nice call versus you. Oh, no. it's uh... <laughs> I was like, that sounds like a horrible call for him if it was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been. Uh, no, I had a, call, a good call against him. And then uh, went in a bomb pot and did uh, did some pretty good things in the bomb pots. It was a very interesting spot, but I didn't take good notes, and God knows bomb pots are about the most complex thing to do on a podcast, so I'm just going to say I hit a good bomb pot and called it good. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, talking about those bomb pots, man, like, I mean, I know these type of players make the games possible, right, or make mm -hmm. the games good, but I still have such a hard time watching someone come into the table, play just, I mean... I don't know if it's overplaying cards or just not understanding their hand rankings. 
but it just seems like there's so much material that they could be watching. If I watch someone stack off, I mean, a significant amount of money, six, $700, and a double board bomb pot, he had ace, deuce, because I could see his hand because he had it up before he folded. Okay. He had a deuce on one board, an ace on the other, and it was three ways, and he shipped it on them. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing how these players kind of like just play around. I mean, I guess some people who study, there's going to two things I'm going to mention here. If you're a member of Crush Live, uh, Bart Hansen just did a intro to double board bomb pots. Super helpful. Very much kind of, you know, looking at it kind of really helped me kind of understand what is strong and not. And then, like, the guy from Pennsylvania who just had no idea, there's only so much free material out there. Man, I stumbled across this podcast, and it's for, I would say, not super high level, maybe kind of just beginning, but know the rules players, which there's a ton of them. But it's that Low Limit Cash Games podcast. It's got, like, the neon green logo. And I tell you what, just listening to that podcast would everybody would improve their game a crap load. I was very, I was, I've been very impressed. Like it's not, I've been playing poker a while, and he's not coming up with any great, I just great deal ideas that I haven't heard. But even being an experienced poker player, it really helps to go back and review the basics. And if you are kind of beginning, oh god, that is a really, just a really, really great source of free material. Right, yeah, because I actually listened to a few episodes as well. Um, <laughs> one of the best quotes I heard was, um, beating 1-2 low limit is simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Oh, uh, yeah. That, that was a great uh, quote from him on one of his podcasts. Yeah, it was really, and it's like, they're usually like 15 to 20 minutes. That's I mean, what I was about to say. And good time. I mean, by all means, we definitely are, our podcast is not strategy-based at all. <laughs> I mean, we'll go into strategies that we use, but we don't delve into them. Yeah. Right. But this is um, definitely a, gr- a very good strategy podcast that's short enough to where it's not too dry to where you lose your mind. And it's because he talks about uh, Crush Live Poker and everything. But I think his podcast is even better for the 1 2 players or 1 1 players that he talks about because I feel like. You know, poker coaching, um, better edge, I'm not better edge, geez. Uh, um, and Crush Light Poker, they all target a little bit. I still feel like they're not quite targeting the 1 1 1 2 games where it's literally just if you get raised, you have to fold all that stuff. Because he talked about how, you know, Crush Live is way better than him. But I still feel like Crush Live is a different audience almost, right? Well, and I mean, and, but Bart really goes into that that. He's really not going after like one, two, one, three. Like, because you hear Hart, Bart analyze a hand, and I'm like, okay, you're using the super analysis on someone who's drunk as shit and playing Jack Three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> because the threes are hot. <laughs> yeah. You know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, so, but, but Bart's always been a big proponent of you move up. Because he came from Los Angeles where the low stakes are almost unbeatable because the rake is so bad. Because it's a drop game. Uh, but, yeah, it's very different. Because I think, he, like you say, he's targeting that 2-5 crowd. that go, Going to 5-10. This guy's kind of targeting that 1-2-1-3. One, one, you're playing at the table with a bunch of just complete donks. <laughs> right, and people who also probably aren't 
paying for coaching, if I had to guess, right? Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Because this is all more basic stuff than if you were to pay for coaching. But I listened to the one about he had just had on uh, straddles. And, I mean, it's always good to have a good refresher. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, if you haven't listened to it, I would definitely suggest checking it out. Just the neon green logo. Yeah, that's a, I've just been real impressed. Whenever I come across material that I think would help people, because at the end of the day, you know, we're not gonna we're not preaching to you know millions of people. I'm gonna help them try to do anything I can to help the people who listen to our podcast to you know improve their game. And everybody learns differently. Podcasts work. I think it's the one thing we learn so differently. We both learn pretty well by podcasts. Like I, I tend to read more books, and then you tend to like study more like YouTube videos and stuff like that, which is kind of a generational difference between me and you on how we learn material. And, you know, Jonathan Little's poker coaching quizzes. Those are really cool. That's, yeah, I think that right there is um, one of the strongest learning tools I've used for me. I can see that. Yeah, that's, well, yeah, because you're making it go into practice. Right, and like you said, just the way that I learn, I mean, it's it's great for me, so. But I guess that concludes episode 48 of the Texas Poker Podcast. We're probably off to go play a session here in a little bit. We'll talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.